Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, what's going on, guys? Joe McCall from the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. And I'm doing a little video introduction here for the next series of four to five podcasts that we're going to be releasing. About a month ago, my coaching business partner, Gavin Timms, who's the guy you can't see that very well, we did this workbook. We did a workshop where this workbook came from. And it was really, really good. It was an all-day workshop. We called it the Virtual Profits Workshop. And on that workshop, all-day Saturday event, we did a lot of teaching. We taught people how to find deals, how to talk to sellers, how to find sellers, how to find buyers. We talked about systems and processes, and we walked through case studies of actual deals. It was a really, really good event. And so I said, we've got to release this as a series of podcasts. And so that's what this next four or five episodes are going to be all about. And so I'm not going to record a new introduction for each of them. We'll just probably replay the same intro to those four podcasts. So if you've already heard this before, my apologies. But it was a really good podcast. And you're going to walk through this stuff in this manual. And in fact, what I might do, in fact, I will do this. If you go to realestateinvestingmastery.com, realestateinvestingmastery.com, I want to have my podcast guy, David, put this workbook. It's a 20, 25 page PDF. I'm going to have him put this in the, on the website for the episodes. If you go to Real Estate Investing Mastery, that's where all my podcasts are. And uh, that's where you can get show notes and transcriptions, links and things like that. So I want to encourage you to go get this workbook because it's going to be really helpful for you. We actually use this as our agenda um, for notes. And so there's a lot of things that are really important points that are kind of like fill in the blank in this workbook. So Gavin and I, have, we've been working together for almost five years, maybe a little bit more. And he's a great coach. And so he's kind of the main coach in my publishing education side of my business. And it was really good. One of the things that we did was we interviewed four different coaching clients that are doing really well doing deals part-time and full-time uh, that are just crushing it. And we interviewed them and talked about what's working now. It wasn't just a uh, way that we can kind of share and brag and get nice testimonials. It really was more educational, like what's working now in the industry that people can use. And so I think you're going to find a lot of value out of those podcasts. So again, we start with what's your big why? Why are you in this business? Why are you doing what you do? And then we talk about the technical stuff of what is it that, what are the tools that you need? How do you find the sellers? What do you say to them? How do you make the offers? Um, all that good stuff. So I think you're going to get I don't think, I know you're getting a lot of value out of these podcasts. So if you're interested in getting this workbook right here, uh, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com. Do a search for Virtual Profits Workshop. We're gonna be calling these podcasts Virtual Profit Workshop. And each of them will have a, um, each of them will have kind of a, a title or a subject. Um, and on the show notes will be a link to get this workbook. Also, if you wanna work with me and Gavin, if you wanna be our next success story, somebody that's actually doing deals, then I wanna encourage you to go to coachjoe.net, coachjoe.net. That'll take you to a page that explains the program that Gavin and I have and what we do with folks. It's an application only process. So we don't take everybody. In fact, we turn down a lot of people that just aren't ready for it. And if you're wanting to, though to get started, if you're wanting some help with getting your marketing set up, your system set up, if you want some done with you and some done for you, I'd encourage you to go to coachjoe.net, coachjoe.net and apply. 
it's just a simple application. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about your goals, your situation. Where are you now? Where do you want to be? And we'll get on the phone and see if we can help you. Okay. So go to coachjoe.net for that. Enjoy these episodes, guys. I know you're going to get a lot of value out of them. I'm hoping that you do. And these might be, I feel like some of the most important podcast episodes that I've released in a long, long time. So enjoy them. And I will see you guys later. Don't forget to get the show notes, the transcripts, this workbook, all of the links that we talk about. Go to Real Estate Investing Mastery, realestateinvestingmastery.com. Look up on the search bar, Virtual Profits Workshop, and you'll find these four or five episodes. We'll see you guys. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. So we need to move on. I want to talk about how to determine the ARV, the after repair value. This is super easy. It's just going to take us a second. When too many people overwhelm or get overwhelmed and overcomplicate finding the ARV or the after repair value. Okay. We do it super simple. We go and look up the average of three or four different property valuation websites. So we'll go to Zillow is one of them. Redfin, ePraisal. I like to use propstreamjoe.com and sometimes realtor.com. So if you can find three or four different ARVs, don't complicate this. Just take the average of Zillow, Redfin, realtor.com, ePraisal, uh, propstreamjoe.com. That will get you within five to 10%. That'll get you in the ballpark. So when it comes to making offers on deals, don't feel like you have to analyze it to the gnats. You know what? right? Just got to get it in the ballpark. So determine the ARV, real simple, write this down, take the average of three or four of those different websites. That's all you need to do. How do you determine repairs? And by the way, all of this, how long should it take you to do this to make find offers? A couple, three minutes, two to three minutes. That's as long as it should take you. And, And what's a simple formula for determining repairs? What we do, what I like to do is I usually go into $5,000 increments. And you, the more you get into this, you'll just think about, okay, looking at the pictures, it needs about 15 grand in work. It needs 25 grand in work. It needs 30, it needs five. A general rule of thumb is like five bucks. If What I do is if the seller says it doesn't need any work and I don't see any pictures, I do five bucks a square foot. If I can see that it needs paint and carpet, some basic cosmetics, I do 10 bucks a square foot, okay? If it needs a full gut rehab, depending on where you are in the country, 20, $25 a square foot, okay? If you're gonna be rehabbing it really nice, 30 bucks a square foot. Simple as that. And whenever you get that number, round it up to the nearest five. That's how you determine repair. Simple. There's other ways like inside of REI Simple, there's a rehab estimator tool in there that gets you pretty close. And one of the things I have in some of my courses is a, a sheet that you can just fill out and it helps you calculate some numbers. But point is, when you're making your initial offer, don't worry about spending more than just a minute on estimating repairs because it doesn't matter what you think. Gavin tells a funny story when he was getting started, he didn't want to go look at the houses because he would have no idea what he was looking at. He had no idea if the roof needed to be fixed, if the kitchen was outdated, or if the electric panel was old. He had no idea and he didn't want to look like he was an idiot. He, he yeah. felt like he would have looked dumb if he didn't know. So um, this is why I like virtual deals again, right? You can estimate this stuff really quickly on the fly, right from your laptop. You want to add anything to that, Gavin? Yeah, I think, you know, for me, as you, as Joe just said, that was the fear bit, right? The fear bit was the contract and the fear bit was in front of someone and asking me, well, what's this worth and what's that worth? Bear in mind, I don't even know what a wholesale deal is, right? I'm learning. I'm brand new at the time. So when you remove all that, it becomes easier. And sometimes you have to trick your mind into thinking certain things, right? When you go virtual, if you're the guy that has to go and see every house, you're not going to do that anymore. And this is the way that you're going to do it. This is the new way. For me on a virtual level is that you can make way more offers, talk to way more people than you can driving out to the property, spend an hour with a seller, driving home. Three hours out of your day, you walked away with maybe a contract or didn't, 
we could have called 30, 40 more people in that and maybe got two contracts. That's how we run the business. And that's our thought process behind it. And especially now with COVID, everyone's having to do that. Like there's not a choice behind it because it's now the done thing. The good thing is, is that that's how we were built from day one. Okay. So somebody's messaging here that I did a video back in March last year on how to comp properties and make offers in just a few minutes. Real simple and easy, guys. We don't want you to overthink this, complicate it. And when we talk about making three offers a day, do you see why this is so quick and easy? This isn't hard. Okay. We're on the, uh, the next page here at the top where it says, what are the three methods for determining a cash offer? What are the three methods for determining a cash offer? All right. You ready? This is going to be really, really hard. Um, where is, I'm looking on my mind map. Okay, well, I, I know what it is anyway, but I can't find it on my notes here. Fine. Three ways to make cash off. Number one, I call it the Mayo formula. Have you heard of that? The Mayo formula? Maybe I can get my uh, iPad open here and I can share my iPad. All right, let's see if this is still working here. Nice. Okay, I'm going to share my iPad. All right, good. Here we go. All right. So this is, we're talking about cash offers. And the first one I like is the Mayo formula. That stands for maximum allowable offer. Okay. Maximum allowable offer. So that is a simple formula. It looks like this. ARV, that's the after repair value, times 70% minus repairs minus your wholesale fee. Okay. Let's look at an example. Let's say you find that Zillow, Realtor.com, Epraisal, uh, you, you you take those and you divide it by three. You get the average. Let's say the average is two hundred thousand. So that's your ARV. Okay, you take two hundred thousand times seventy percent. Our calculator out here. Okay, yeah, there we go. That equals one hundred and forty thousand. All right, and we know it's a fifteen hundred square foot house, and uh, it needs cosmetics, paint, carpet, maybe update some vanities and things like that. So we're going to do ten dollars. A square foot. So the repairs are going to be what? $15,000. Now I'm going to take 140000 minus 15000 and I want to make $10,000 wholesale fee. So that's going to be 115000 That's going to be my cash offer using the Mayo formula. The Mayo formula. All right. Another shortcut that I like is take the average I don't have a fancy name for this. An average of the lowest four solds times 80%. Okay. Let's just look at a property here on Zillow. And I'm going to kind of show you how to do this or Redfin. I'm going to go to Redfin and uh, let's look in, uh, let's do Cincinnati, Ohio here. Because that's where Steve Zimmer kind of is. Let me get here. Cincinnati, Cincinnati, Ohio. All right. I'm going to share my screen here with you all. Okay. There we go. And let's look at. I'm just going to look for a house that probably needs a lot of work. Under $125,000. Let's go here to more filters. And this is a fixer upper only. I don't trust this, you know, search. It's only giving me 16. There's a lot more than that. Let's look at this house here. This just came online on Redfin 25 hours ago. We scroll through here. This is a property that needs some work. Show you some pictures here. Needs some updating. And not a lot. Not that bad. But it's probably in a rough area. I'm just guessing. You know, if I were to look at the street view of this, it's probably in a in a rough area. But let's say this is a house that uh, we want to make a cash offer on. They're asking eighty six thousand, and I'm guessing this is a small little house, but it's it's in an older area of Cincinnati. Okay. So what I like to do then is I scroll here to the map, and I just click on this little thingy here, and I click Map Nearby Homes for Sale. Map Nearby Homes for Sale. Now what that does is that puts that house in the middle of the map. 
right here. And what I'm seeing here is six other properties that are listed for sale. I'm going to sort it by price. So I can see there's a $30,000. That might be vacant land um, or something. I don't know. $86.99. So I'm going to go here to more filters. I'm going to say house only. I'm going to scroll down and I'm going to switch off for sale. And I'm going to switch on sold. Let's do last six months. And I think our house was, I forget the size of this. We'll, we'll look at that later. But uh, now I sort this table down here by price. All right. And there we go. Just like that, I have the four lowest solds. And now the reason I like Redfin is because Redfin gives you really good sold data. And so now I'm just going to get my calculator. I do 47,500 plus 56,000 plus 57,000. Oops. Yeah. Plus 74,000 equals divided by four is 58,000 times 0.8. So I would offer on this one, 46,900 on that house. Okay. Now, the, the thing that's important with this is, let's say you get this property under contract for 46,900 and you're going to add on 10 grand. Are you going to be able to sell it? Are you, you know, what is, what's your competition doing in that area? So I'm going to buy it for 46,900. I'm going to sell it for 56,900. If I just go back here to Redfin, more filters, I'm going to change it, turn solds off, turn for sale on, apply filters. There's only four homes there. I'm going to zoom out a little bit to get more. Now I show five. Let me zoom out one more time. Now I'm seeing 13. And I sort this table by price. Looks good to me, right? Here's a property for sale for 86, 90, 95, 99. Okay. So that's just a simple, easy way to make cash offers. Let me go back to my iPad here. These are, these are two different deals yeah. here, but we have here uh, one way with the Mayo formula, the other way is the average of the lowest four solds times 80%. All right. The third way that I like, this one's really easy. There's no formula for this. Ask your local investors. What would they pay for it? Well, here's the formula, okay? Minus 10 grand. That's your formula, All right? Hey, what would you buy this thing for? And then subtract 10 grand. And that's what you go back to the seller. Cool. Nice. All right. Um, let me go back here. Let me ask you guys, uh, which method do you prefer? Type this in the uh, chat box. Which method do you prefer? The Mayo, the second. Mayo, Mayo, number two, number one. I really love number three. All right. Mayo, average of lowest four. Mayo, three, two. Ask local investor, number two, number two, two. Mayo. Well, it's pretty evenly split. I think mostly uh, the first two. It's not hard, guys, is it? Do you think you could do two or three of four of these a day? I mean, do you think you could maybe even have your VA do it for you? Nice. Yeah. Not that hard. Not that hard. Okay. Let's go back to the agenda here. And um, there's this, let's talk about lease option. What is a lease option? This is really simple. Write this down. A lease option is a lease with the option to buy. That's it. So you're basically leasing it for, you know, one to two years, three to five years, leasing it for a, uh, uh, a predetermined period of time and with the option to buy it at a predetermined price. So you lease it for this time, okay? And then you have the option to buy it, not the obligation, okay? And the cool thing about lease options is you control without owning it. This is so important to understand, okay? This is control without ownership. Super powerful. If you guys can figure that out, 
and you don't learn how to do this, it's wholesaling also. You can control incredibly valuable real estate without owning it. You're not taking the deed or anything like that. That's what a lease option is. And you can see my comment there. The key to success in real estate oops, is to own nothing, control everything. I can't spell. That's the secret. Own nothing, control everything. Okay, it's it's ownership. It's not ownership. It's about control. Own nothing, control everything. I think as Nelson Rockefeller said, the secret to success in business, and this applies to everything in real estate too, is to own nothing but control everything. All right, so there are pretty much two main types of lease option deals, okay? Two main types of lease option deals. Number one is the sandwich lease option. And number two is the wholesale lease option or the assignment, okay? I don't understand the text there, Sam. Okay, there's also a third. It's just uh, it's just a straight option. You're not leasing it, you're just optioning it, okay? Now, in every type of lease option, you have three parties. The A is the seller, the B is the investor, and the C is the buyer, you know, or the tenant buyer, okay? So when we do a sandwich lease option, we have a contract between the A to B, that's one contract, and then we find a tenant buyer to live in the house, and that's the B to C contract. We have a sandwich, we're staying in the middle. This is a sandwich lease option, right? Now in a, a lease option assignment, we're not staying in the middle. So here you have the A to B to C, in a lease option assignment, I have a contract to um, lease the property from the seller. And then I take that contract and I assign it to the tenant buyer and I'm done and out of the picture. Now it becomes a contract between the seller and the tenant buyer. I'm done and out of it. Does that make sense? That's a lease option assignment. Now, how do you determine a sandwich lease option offer? Real simple. Let's talk about this. The sandwich lease option offer, here's the formula. You guys finding this helpful? All right, I'm going to take the ARV minus repairs, estimated repairs. That's the as-is value. That's today's as-is value. So I'm going to take the as-is value times 85%. All right, I want 15% equity. And that equals the option price, okay? That's number one. Number two, you need the rent, okay? Number one was the uh, option price. Number two is the rent. And the rent is real simple. Market rent times 75%. Okay, you want at least 25% rent for cash flow, okay? And this gives you the rent. The third thing that you need to negotiate in this is the term, okay? super important. And on a sandwich lease option, you typically want three to five years. And that's on the A to B, okay? On the B to C, one to two years. Remember the B to C? From here to here, you want one to two years. Here to here, you want three to five. Why is that? Because if this doesn't work out, you have more time to get another tenant buyer in there, okay? So three to five years with the seller, and then you're going to do one to two years with the tenant buyer. All right. And then uh, what else could you negotiate? Well, you have to also negotiate uh, what's called the option 
let's just call it option deposit. You don't have to call it option deposit. You can call it something else. Normally I do one month's rent. And that's again on the A to B. On the B to C, I typically get three, five percent. Okay. But on the A to B with the seller, I'm going to get one month's rent. Now, here's the beautiful thing about lease options, guys. Unlike a cash deal where you only have one thing you can negotiate and that's the price. In a lease option, you can negotiate the option price, the rent, the terms, or the option deposit. You could even negotiate rent credits. You know what that is? That's just where a seller is giving you um, a certain amount of disc- discounted off the price in the future if and when you pay the rent on time. So you have multiple three, four, five levers that you can negotiate with sellers. If they're stuck on their price, we'll give them their price but they'll give you, you need to negotiate the rent or the terms. Maybe instead of three to five years, you get seven to 10 years, okay? You can even negotiate the, um, you can even negotiate, what do you call it? Oh yeah, you don't start paying the rent for you know six to 12 months. What if the seller's stuck? They want 1,500 and you say, and, but you only are offering 1,300. You can say, well, all right, I'll give you 1,500, but I want 12 months. I'm gonna keep 100. I had a seller, a student, Marty, negotiating a little small deal in Alabama. And she negotiated the first two years should give the seller the price he wants and the rent he wants, but she keeps 100% of the rent for the first two years. And the next three years, they split it 50-50. Seller said, yeah. All he cared about was his price and his rent. She negotiated the terms. She kept 100% of the rent for the first two years, 50% of the rent for the next three years. And um, super cool. So that's how you make a simple sandwich lease option offer, okay? Now, the wholesaling lease option offer, it's really simple. The option price, option price, market value, whatever the seller wants. The rent, market rent. Option deposit, 10 bucks. Term, two years. That's it. Now you become, remember I talked about it here, you have a contract this is between you and the tenant buyer, or you and the seller. And then you're going to take that contract then and assign it to this guy. You're, oops, you assign it to them and then you're out of the picture. It becomes a contract now between the seller and the end buyer, tenant buyer. And you keep the option deposit as your fee. So your profit is, you know, three to 5%. Okay. That's a simple, straightforward wholesaling lease option deal. So let's, I talked about it already, but here in the workbook, what are the five different things you can negotiate with sellers on a lease option? Just talked about it. You remember? You can negotiate the option price, the rent, the terms, the option deposit, maybe even rent credits or a sixth thing. You can say, I'm not going to pay you any rent for six months, 12 months. All right. Some of you are confused by that. Why would I only give $10 option deposit money? That's just my initial contract, my initial down payment to lock up or secure the property. Okay. That's just my, for a contract to be valid with the seller, you need to give consideration. And this is, this is what I'm putting down on the contract with the seller. Now there is more details in all this, but you know, I covered that in my class. I can't dive into all that detail now because most of you understand it. Okay, cool. What are some of your key takeaways with what we've shared so far, guys? Type it in the box. What are some of your key takeaways, what you've seen us do so far here? Really good. This is not too hard to do. That's right, Chris. Everything's negotiable. That's right. Don, sandwich is yes. the way to go. I love me some sandwiches. I got one right here. Flexibility to meet the owner's needs. Good. Own nothing, control everything. So important. Especially guys, as the market starts transitioning, 
You don't yes. want to be stuck holding and rehabbing a big property right now. Who knows what's going to happen after the election or in six months? You don't want to be stuck holding a big rehab. That's my strong opinion. The great thing about lease options too is if the market goes bad, you can walk away. You just have an option. You don't have to buy it. You don't own it. So it removes a lot of the risk and liability. There's lots of ways to make and control money. Lease options are a great way to go. Lease options seem to have the most options. You're right. Patrick, I love this. Look at, did you see Patrick's comment? What's his biggest takeaway? It's time to start making some offers. There we go. Now, the sandwich lease options, they're awesome. They give the most options for streams of income and tax benefit. I'm not giving tax advice, so I don't know about tax. Oh, Dax, I love this. It's pretty easy to make three to four offers a day. Yeah, I just did it on an iPad. Okay, it's easy. Determining offers, deal structuring, flexibility, ease of calculations that we can negotiate to a win-win. Yes. Uh, Robert, I forgot that people love to work with me and for me. You have systems and a team. Easier than I thought. I don't hear that very often, Scotty, so I appreciate that. Because sometimes when I teach it, I complicate it sometimes too much, or I dive too deep in the details, and I just overwhelm people. And I, I, did I keep it pretty simple there, Gavin? Did I do a good I job? That was good. That's, one of, that's up there. One of your best. <laughs> Normally, I'm like this. Yeah, give it a tap. Normally, I'm like this. No, don't go there. Don't. It's funny. When, I, when we're doing a workshop live, I can see Gavin going back. So I did, I did pretty good there. It's easy. Good and nice. Finally. <laughs> it's usually the hardest thing for me to do. Good. We're getting some clapping. Back to the basics. Seems simple. Okay, cool. Let's, um, let's move on. Let's move on. We just got one or two more pages in here. Okay, we're going to talk about scaling your business now. Automation system, right? We talked about marketing, automation, delegation. So we're coming into the automation here. This is uh, really good. Brilliant at the basics, Christopher. You're absolutely right. We need to be brilliant. If you want to make good money in this business, it's not hard. You just got to learn to be brilliant at the basics. And that's what I'm showing you here. That's what we're laying down. I'm glad that yeah. you are picking up what we're laying down. Patty's saying this is actually a fun webinar. Good. Nice. <laughs> All right. The first bullet point on here is sometimes the best automation is a good what? Someone type it in the chat. Sometimes the best automation is a good virtual assistant. We're getting it. You guys got it. He knows what he needs to do. He's too busy. He can't do it. And uh, we helped him find a good VA. That's one of the things we do with our coaching clients. We help them find a good VA and let the VA learn the systems. You know, Steve went out and bought a course on Facebook ads, right? Do you think he spent is spending any time learning how to do Facebook ads? None. And he sees the value in that. He's going to hire a VA who understands technology and Facebook and stuff like that and is going to be then going through it and implementing it. I've done this so many times. I bought a course one time on how to bid on HUD properties at hudhomestore.com. Gave it to my assistant. I said, Sheila, go through this and start making offers on HUD. Guess what she did? She started making offers on HUD. And we started actually selling those deals to other investors that were looking for deals. So sometimes the best automation is a good VA. You can have all the fancy REI simple Podio tech tools, but here's the problem sometimes people have is they're spending too much time behind the computer. You should not be behind the computer. That's $5 an hour activities. I'm not knocking somebody who's doing the $5 an hour activities, but you need to be spending your time on the $500 an hour activities, which is what? Talking to sellers and making offers, doing what Steve Zimmer does, doing what Gigi's doing, okay? Talking to sellers and making offers. This business, that's all it comes down to. Talk to sellers and make offers and follow up. We're gonna be talking more about that here. So sometimes, you know, one there's a very good reason why I don't have, I've not given myself permission to dive deep into systems today. I'm not showing you REI Simple. I'm not showing you how to get download stuff from here and upload it to there and pull this list and send that out mass thing. Like I'm not showing you that stuff because you don't have to know how to do it. 
But sometimes when you look at the tools, the technology, the systems, you're like, oh my gosh, where do I even get started? I, and you think you have to learn how to do it before you can hire a VA. That's not the case. Guys, you need to stop asking how, start asking who. That's the second bullet point here. Stop asking how, start asking who. Yes. I hope some of you can breathe a sigh of relief when you hear that. Because, you know, I, I just, uh, I can give you example after example. Like we're starting to do some YouTube ads right now, right? And I'm halfway tempted to like figure out and learn how to do it myself. But I know that's not the best use of my time. Best use of my time is to find somebody else. Find who can do my YouTube ads for me. Cool? Yeah. Stop asking how, start asking who. The next one, don't try to fix your weaknesses. Do what? Outsource them. Thank you, Rick (laughs) and Mike. Don't try to fix your weaknesses, outsource them. If Steve Zimmer would have said, man, I need to learn how to do technology so I can do this stuff. Man, no. Uh, He didn't try to learn computers. Um, He just delegated them, outsourced them. And his wife, who's awesome, she volunteered and said, I'll help with that. Um, You can get a VA to do it, virtual assistants. A lot of you guys have kids, you have neighbors, stay-at-home moms, people down the street. You would be shocked. Like I wanted to start doing some land deals, okay? But I don't have the time to go learn it. So I found a friend who was doing houses, doesn't want to do houses anymore, was interested in land. But listen, why don't you, I'm going to go, I'll buy three different courses on land investing. And I don't know which one was best. And I gave them to him. Uh, he went through most of them and found out one that he liked the best. And he started going through it, him and his wife. And then we, uh, we started doing land. We've done like 30 or 40 of them. And all I do, now my sons are helping me do it because they're still teenagers, 15, 16 years old. But they started when they were 13, 14. They will go out and I send the direct mail. My sons review the deals, make offers. They never talk to the seller. And then we get it under contract. And my friends, then they take down the property and they turn around and sell it. And we're making really, really good money with that, okay? That is something where, again, my weakness is I don't have time. I'm too busy. I'm doing too many other things. So I don't have the time to take on a new business, but I know how to find people to do it. I know how to get VAs and my sons or my other people to help do it. So start partnering with something, somebody that can do the stuff you're not good at. If you're not good at talking on the phone, find somebody who is and partner with them. If you've got the money, but not the time to talk, find somebody who can talk. If you've got the time to talk, you don't have the money for marketing, find somebody to do to invest in the marketing. Gavin, talk about the story you tell about, um, this is so good, when you were getting started in Phoenix, you didn't have any money for marketing, you stood up at the local RIA, what did you say? It was really good. Yeah, um, I'd, I'd moved to Phoenix from San Francisco, actually, and uh, I'd spent you know 700 bucks on marketing, didn't get anything like straight away. So when I went to Phoenix, you know, the, uh, who I was working with at the time, you know, we, we kind of analyzed it and thought, well, we can cry about it or do something about it. So I started to go to meetup groups. Phoenix is renowned for, you know, meetings. There's at least three or four every single day in Phoenix. Um, so I attended the first one on a Tuesday. And it was amazing because you got to stand up individually and you'd introduce yourself, tell a bit about, it was like 30 seconds, who you were, what you were trying to do. And everyone would take a turn. So at the end of it, you would have like, who was the rehabbers? Who were the cash buyers? Who were the wholesalers? Who were the, you know, the attorneys or work for title companies? So you got like a good mix of everyone's, you know, information and who you wanted to connect with. And my chance came up and bear in mind, I never closed a deal. Um, and I stood up and said, you know, who I was from, where I'm, you know, where I'm from, living in Phoenix now. Uh, I said, look, I don't have money for leads, but one thing I, I can do is I can close deals. So anyone that's got any old deals, dead leads, you want a partner, 
let's talk. Kind of sat back down, here's my number. And a lady then kind of locked eyes and, and we met. Um, and she said, I want to talk to you. So after she said, can you meet tomorrow? I said, sure. So we met at a coffee shop. She gave me 60 dead leads, uh, dead. And on this sheet of paper, it was direct mail. And it would gone out three months prior. And she said, look, we couldn't get anything. These are pretty much dead. But you said you wanted to work um, if, you, if you want to do anything. So I said, okay, I'll work these. We'll partner 50-50, but I'm not going to go and see the house. And I'm not signing any paperwork. So I need you to use your contract. I'll do all the talking and let's see if we can do anything. And I called all 40. At 60, I spoke to about 40 people. We got two contracts in the first just a week, maybe eight, 10 days. And that's how I started. Right. And, and I really understood follow up from the from day one, because the first house that I ever moved was the scenario. I remember it now. Eighty five thousand um, was uh, eighty thousand we'd offered. Sorry, on this property. The lady wanted one thirty. She said, oh, I'm going to put the money in, fix it up and sell it myself. OK. OK, no problem. That's what the note said. And it was a dead lead. I called up get three months later. She'd not done anything to the house. It, she'd not moved a thing. She'd not done nothing. And she said, well, I've done nothing in three months. So yeah, maybe I'll, I'll move forward. And that was the first deal from one phone call, the follow-up where the situation had obviously, she hadn't done what she said and I picked the deal up. So I knew, hold on a minute. So whatever people are saying is only then. And well, what about now? So that's how I've kind of been bought in to know that the best leads are the old leads, right? The most amount of money in your business right now is in your CRM if you've already been doing this for a while and you haven't got a result. Um, Gigi said something earlier that she went back and someone else had sold, right? Because the money's already in, in the CRM. Um, I talked to Lauren a lot about, you know, we believe that there's over a million dollars in our CRM. We just got to get to it, close it, right? Because the leads are already there. We have thousands of leads, tons of sellers. And our majority of our leads for the next several months are already in the CRM, all in the follow-up. And if you can stay on top of it, get efficient, build the teams. You know, we've gone from one cold caller. You know, we set up Gigi, we set up Chris White, Chris Arnold to, to, to get this so they could focus on what they were good at, which is making money. Um, and not everyone needs that. Some of you need accountability. That's why we wanted to, you know, put program on that we have today as a one-off because it's going to give you the opportunity to get a head start and to come out, make money before Christmas, right? Let's not wait till the new year. That's one of the most frustrating things that I hear, Joe, is, oh, I'm going to wait till January. You're always waiting. There's never a good time. Today is the time, right? And that's if it's not with us, with someone, you know, go and uh, whoever you want to work with. It, it doesn't need to be us. I'm not saying that. But you have to do something today because if you don't, it isn't going to happen for you. You've got to get out of your comfort zone. I've gone, Joe, honestly, it was embarrassing. I look back. I went to that meeting, right? And it was a Tuesday in the middle of the summer, boiling hot. And I'm in like trousers, slacks, as you would call them, and like a shirt. And everyone else is in shorts and flip-flops. I mean, I, if I couldn't have stood out from being from England, just the way I was dressed, I was stood out. I mean, it was kind of embarrassing <laughs> looking back. But the best thing I ever did, you know, and uh, sometimes you got to do that, get out of your comfort zone and, and you never know what's going to happen on the other side. Nice. Good. All right. There's things you don't have in your business. I mean, no, nobody has it all. So just find other people that do have it. Gavin needed leads, wasted a bunch of money on direct mail and uh, had no more money for marketing and found somebody he knew what he was good at. Good. All right. So the next bullet and point in here is, man, I've already talked about this. Make sure you're only focusing on your highest revenue generating activities. 
highest revenue generating activities. What are your highest revenue generating activities? Talking to sellers, making offers, following up. Just make offers. That's like the number one rule in real estate. Make offers, make offers, make offers. Cool. All right. Explain what simple system scale means. We did this already a little bit when I was doing the, the drawing. Um, simple system scale. I, I learned that from Rob Swanson. I really love this because it's about building silos, right? It's like silos. I, I want to get this 100% complete before I move on to the next thing. So for an example of a simple system scale would be, let's say you want to you start doing some direct mail. Let's build a system out of that. Well, like you need to simplify it a little more. Direct mail is too big. All right, yellow letters. All right, cool. Yellow letters to who? Yellow letters to expired listings. Okay, good. Now we've got a simple thing there, right? Let's build a system around yellow letters to, did I say expired? Expired listing. Okay, simple system. Well, all right, I need to go, you know, I need to get access to the MLS to get these expired listings. I need to go to this software or something like that. Get how do you get those expired listings? Then you got to send them a letter and the letters should be simple. Here's a couple, three sentences and uh, you hand write them out. You put them in an invitation envelope. You put a stamp, make the stamp crooked, add a one cent stamp. You know, it helps your open rates. Maybe crumple the letters up, fold them back again. Fold, you know, that's a system, right? Then and only then do you scale it. And it's so easy. So what I like to do is I create a, a Google doc, a bullet point. First part is what I'm trying to do. What's the ultimate goal? Why am I doing it? Then I bullet point, all right? First thing, get a list. Second thing, handwrite the letters, find the owner's address. Third thing, write the letters. And fourth thing, mail them. And then fifth, update the scorecard, okay? And that's your system. And you can record yourself doing it if you want, whatever your system is. I I like to use Loom, L-O-O-M, to record my computer screen, L-O-O-M. Now, there you go. I have a Google Doc with the step-by-step bullet point a Loom video link in there of me doing it. And that's my system. I have this Google Doc. I can share it now with my VAs and I can say, do it. And as you start growing in this, here's the cool thing, guys. You can actually now have your VAs create your systems for you. So just give your VA some of my training videos on sending text messages to Zillow and say, all right, we want to do this in Cleveland, Ohio, okay? I want you to send 50 text messages to rentals on Zillow be tr- priced between 1000 and 2000 a month. And I want you to send a text and I want you to send a letter. And then make the VAs come up with the systems and the processes. Don't think that you have to be coming up with a bunch of systems and operating procedure manuals or whatever, right? SOPs, standard operating procedures. Make your VAs do that stuff. Make your assistants do that. So simple system scale. Don't try to build or scale something that you don't have a system on. Don't try to build a system unless you have something that's simple. Keep it really, really simple. Cool? All right. Are we... Uh, da, 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 da. Cool. Listen to this. Isaac, he says this here. I literally just got my first lease option contract signed about five minutes ago. Awesome. Way to go, Isaac. Congrats. After three that's months fantastic. of hard work, I couldn't have done it without you guys. That's nice, Isaac. That's awesome. That's so yeah. cool. All right, here we go. Last page. What are some of the must-have systems that you're going to need in your business? There's really maybe one. You ready? CRM. What is a CRM? It stands for Customer Maybe Relationships Management, I think. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, but it's a database. All right? You need to have a database. And you need to have a database that can do as many things all under one roof as possible. That's why I like REI Simple so much because it gives you the phone, right? You can get the list. Another good tool that you need is something like PropStreamJoe. I recommend that, propstreamjoe.com. But like must-have systems, 
Well, you need to have a CRM and a database. You need to have a way to make phone calls, you know, websites eventually, and that's it. And a way to send letters. The most important part of that is the lead management database tool, manage your leads, and a way to make phone calls because you make your money on the phone, right? Those are some of the must-have systems. Are there any other systems that I forgot that people need? You know, if you're doing cold calling, you need a triple dialer. We teach you how to do that in our stuff. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Let's talk about VAs. Where do you find VAs? Uh, there's a lot of different ways. Um, Upwork. But what do you guys use to find VAs? What do you guys like? Type that in the chat. I use Upwork a lot. Still use it today. Onlinejobs.ph. Good. We use that. Fiverr. Excellent. Yeah. What else? Upwork. Greg, thank you. Indeed. LinkedIn. JHVA outsourcing. Oh, I love this, Robert. I use my current VA to find other VAs. <laughs> we do that a lot. Yes. That's a secret gem yes. right there, Robert. That's awesome. Because if your VA is good, they know what it takes to be a good VA and they're going to recommend good people to you. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely, we get, usually if you find one good VA, that's all you need and you can find lots of other good VAs. Nice. Yeah. So uh, Upwork is good. There's a website I use um, sometimes called uh, virtualstafffinder.com, virtualstafffinder.com. And they're a headhunting service and they can help you find VAs. I can't think of anything else on that. Front. You've got enough. If you can't find a VA, yeah, my goodness. have all them, then we have a problem. You'll be good. Okay. Question here. This is a good one. What are the three things your VA should be doing? I want you guys to type that in. What are the three things your VA should be doing? Robert, I'll answer your question right here. Okay. Um, Cold calling, data entry, marketing, follow-up, CRM, finding sellers, manage leads, writing letters, pre-screen sellers. Cold calling, compiling lead lists. This is all good. Admin work. Managing leads, marketing, follow-up, CRM. I think Tom got it. Not in the right order. That's okay, Tom. Yeah, Roderick got it. Okay, yeah. Write this down, Ed. You see Ed's question there, Gavin? Can you answer that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So here's the three things your VA should be doing. Number one, marketing. They should be managing your marketing. Uh, maybe it's doing it themselves. Maybe it's managing the mailhouse, the scraping software, the Facebook ads, whoever's doing the ads. They should be managing the marketing. Marketing, we're not in the real estate investing business, right? We are in the real estate invest. We're not in the real estate investing business. We are in the marketing business. Okay, The marketing business is all about getting leads. Leads are the lifeblood of our business. Marketing is everything and everything is marketing. So your VA's primary responsibility is making sure leads are coming in the door. And if you're thinking, man, I don't know what I'm going to have my VA do. There's, I don't know what I'm, I don't know. I don't have much going on. Guys, you just take some of the marketing we talked about today and have your VA start implementing that, that's a full-time job right there if you wanted to go crazy with it. Have them go into three different markets. All What if you just had a VA sending 100 emails every day to realtors about some of their older listings? You just went in and said, all right, I want you to send 100 emails a day to all the realtors that have old listings of properties that need work in these five markets. Send them an email, ask them if the seller um, is negotiable and would they consider something you know, in this price range. Okay. Texting, sending letters, making offers to go section eight homeowners. 
there's a lot of really, really cool things that your VA could do. Number one. Number two, this is a big one, updating the CRM. You should be, you should not be the one behind the computer. You need to have your VA update the CRM. And so that's as simple as you, you get a lead, come in, you talk to the seller, and then you Voxer the VA, your updates. Talk to the VA on Voxer, leave a voicemail. It's a voice walkie-talkie voice feature memo app or whatever. And you say, hey, Jim, I, I talked to the seller, 123 Main Street, and um, it's listed with the realtor. It'll, it'll expire in three months. Remind me in three months to call them. Boom, that's it. Then you don't have to worry about it. The VA updates at CRM. And you can say, listen, I, I, Jim, I just talked to the seller at 123 Main Street and um, remind me to um, tomorrow to call them back at five o'clock. Your VA updates the CRM and adds an appointment to your calendar and you call them tomorrow. Um, I learned a lot of this from Tom Kroll and he took what I was doing it for with outsourcing VAs to a whole nother level. And it's so cool. He started doing this where he had a special email that only his VA had. And every, because he was finding himself spending way too much time behind the computer, spending three hours a day, just updating the CRM with his notes from his deals and was getting really, really frustrated with all of that. So he decided, you know what? I'm not going to spend any more time behind the computer. And, you know, he had, he was getting buried in post-it notes and yellow legal pads of paper. And he was talking to sellers in the car uh, from, the, from his house all over the place. And he couldn't keep track of the stuff. So he started using WhatsApp to send messages back and forth to his VA. I recommend Voxer with the V. It's easier. And, um, and then he said, all right, every morning... VA, I want you to email me separate emails, three emails. And each of those emails needs to have the name and the phone number of the person I need to call next. And I want to see any kind of notes that are in there or whatnot. Okay. So he opens up the email and it's only, she is the only one that has that email address. So she can only see her emails. And it says, call this seller. Here's the situation. Here's the address, blah, blah, blah. And he calls the seller. Chicken scratches his notes on a piece of paper. And then WhatsApp or Voxers, the seller, the, the, the VA back. All right. I talked to the seller. I have an appointment with them today at three o'clock, add it to my calendar and um, give me comps, et cetera, et cetera. All right. Or it's a dead lead. Market is dead and add them to our do not call list. Or, you know, remind, add them to our cold follow-up campaign. All you do then is you bam, then you go, you delete the email. You go to the next email, call the seller, write some notes, Voxer your VA, delete the email go to the next seller. Now you've gone through all three emails and it's only been 15 minutes. Then you vox you the VA. Okay, send me my next email. Send me the next three people I need to call or whatever, okay? You should not be behind the computer. And, and Tom used to say, this is so funny. Show me an expert in Podio and I'll show you a broke wholesaler. And we were coaching people. I remember this so clear that we had a workshop and the guy was here and he was showing us how awesome his Podio was, right? Podio is a CRM that we were using at the time. And he had all this fancy automation set up and he had tons and tons of leads in there. And we accidentally looked at his contracts app and there was nothing in there. He had this amazing system. I was drooling over it. It was awesome. It does all these fancy things, but he had zero leads. I mean, zero contracts. So show me a, a, an expert in REI Simple, Podio, whatever CRM you're using, and I'll show you a broke wholesaler. It's not about, so you need a VA to update the CRM for you, right? Super important. Then the third thing that your VA should do is do all your follow-up. 90% of your deals are going to come from the follow-up. Every student we've had that does deals does a lot of follow-up. Super critical. 
Very, very important. So if you're not going to do it and you probably aren't, you got to get somebody else to do it for you in spite of you. This is my big mantra when it comes to marketing. Got to get someone to do it for you in spite of you. Carl's asking a good question. Is all of this done with one VA? Maybe when you're just getting started out. Yeah, just hire one VA. Okay. They can do the marketing. It doesn't take that long. They can update the CRM and they can do your follow-up for you. And, and you know, the CRM, like REI Simple, should be able to do 90% of the follow-up for you. But you're absolutely right, Randall. Get out of your own way. Get out of your own way. These are all really important things to do. So the three things that your VA should be doing, number one, marketing. Number two, updating the CRM. Number three, doing your follow-up. Guys, if you just figure that out, man, I'm telling you, you're going to have so much more free time. Yeah. Okay. And, and I will say as well, like it bolts on. Like you get one and then you'll get two. I mean, we have uh, Flink 5 on lead gen when we have a two or three admin just on my side, then Joe, you probably have five or six probably as well. Yeah. But you don't come out the blocks with that many. You just, as you scale, you start to, uh, you'll know, you know, you only hire when it's necessary. Yep. I want you guys to type in what have been some of your biggest takeaways from this whole day? What have been some of the biggest things that have helped you, inspired you, and really helped you figure this out. By the way, some people, a lot, of, a lot of people are asking, how much do you pay a VA? Part-time VA, 250 to 500 bucks a month. Full-time VA, 500 to 1,000 bucks a month. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. Awesome, guys. So hopefully, while Joe's pulling that up, you've got some good stuff today. You know, we always try. I know these things are, are free, but we try to do our best. We, we, we try to do our best to, to bring as much value as possible. And hopefully, it's going to help you, you know, moving forward, which I think you all hopefully agree. Uh, that that was the case today. Um, again, tomorrow, three, two till four central, three to five Eastern tomorrow. Uh, we're going to get that link and we're going to do the Q&A because we had some great questions. We want to make sure that we're not uh, missing missing anything. So try and get on that call if you can. Plus, we'll take in new questions if we have time, but we'll definitely answer the ones that you've left today first. So appreciate that as well. 